Welcome back to Sharing Your Stories. This time I'm bringing you a very brave girl that went back to Ukraine. Her name is Andreana Dudek. She is working in marketing and is someone that I met in Spain a couple of years ago. She's experiencing a different adventure, in my opinion, of living in a war zone. Even though she's in a safer area like Lviv, she's experiencing certain challenges and certain new benefits of this, this environment. So maybe Adriana, you can tell us a little bit about you and how the things are going there. Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, thank you a lot for uh, introducing me. So uh, as you have said, uh, I really live uh, in Ukraine now and area where I live is uh, plus minus safe. Uh, I live in Lviv, it's nearby. Uh, it's in the Western part of Ukraine. Uh, Actually, uh, since the war started, uh, Ukrainians uh, have faced lots of uh, different challenges. And uh, depending on time period, they change. Uh, challenges that we used to have a year ago, uh, they are different than challenges that we have now. Uh, what I want to highlight uh, is uh, like a few points. First of all, is uh, safety within the country. Uh, Secondly, is uh, uh, usual life, how uh, people live now uh, in these uh, terms and uh, future challenges that I see might have, uh, uh, that we might have faced in the future. So <clears throat> about the safety, like <laughs> when I talk to people, uh, I notice that there are two types of people. Uh, first of them think that Ukraine is completely unsafe country and uh, they cannot imagine people living here during the war. And second type of people, they believe that uh, the war is over and uh, Ukraine is uh, uh, continuing to live a normal life. And I would say that neither of these two people, these two uh, ideas is right because uh, we are in in middle of uh, these two ideas. Uh, so what life looks like? Uh, people who live uh, in the uh, center of Ukraine, in the northern part of Ukraine, and in the western part of Ukraine, they have comparatively normal life, as you can, as you can say. We go to work, uh, we go to cafes, to the cinema. I don't know, we, we travel uh, from city to city. Uh, but uh, sometimes our life is uh, interrupted by, uh, by bad news and uh, air raids. Uh, so air raids, it's when uh, we have rockets in the air or Russia launches uh, uh, drones uh, in our uh, air, uh, air area. And uh, in this kind of situations, uh, uh, we, uh, we have to hide. We have to uh, be very, I don't know, very, uh, uh, we have to think uh, uh, where to hide, yeah. And uh, uh, people who live, uh, and the other part of people, those who live nearby front line, their life is completely different because uh, majority of uh, shops, uh, brands, uh, uh, I don't know, facilities, they are closed. Uh, sometimes they don't have electricity, they don't have heating, they don't have anything. But still there are people who prefer to stay there in their cities, in their homes, and not to move to the safer, safer parts of the country. 
uh, the life there is uh, completely different to those to the life of people who live uh, here in Lviv or Kiev. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe I have some questions. I don't know. Uh, how, how, for example, how do you deal with the heating or the electricity, especially during the winter? Where do, where is it coming from for you? Because as you said, in the eastern part or the central part, there are bigger challenges. But how do you deal with it, especially during the winter that is relatively cold? Uh, yeah, uh, about the uh, heating electricity. As I have said previously, uh, challenges that we face now and in the past, they are different. Now in the summer, we don't have such big uh, problems with heating and electricity. Uh, we don't have, uh, we have electricity almost always, but it wasn't like that uh, uh, in the winter because uh, uh, in the October uh, last year, we had a lot of uh, airstrikes on our electricity plants. Lots of them were destroyed or uh, severely uh, damaged and uh, uh, we had electricity timetables. Uh, it means that uh, uh, like you have a schedule when you will have electricity and when you will not have electricity. And we were living according to these timetables. For example, um, there were three main points in that timetable. White point, it's a uh, green point. It's when you for sure will have electricity. Red point, it's when you for sure will not have electricity. And uh, uh, white point, it's... Uh, uh, 50-50. If everything in the country is going well, you'll have electricity. If we have additional air strikes, you will not have electricity. And uh, uh, these, uh, uh, these uh, points in this timetable, they last for four hours. So, for example, you woke up at eight o'clock and uh, you see that there is electricity. So, you'll have electricity till 12 o'clock. Then, from 12 o'clock till four, you supposedly will not have electricity. So as you have this timetable, you can plan your life. Uh, for example, I knew that on Wednesday, I have a good timetable. Uh, I have electricity during work hours and I can stay home and I do not need to go to office. But uh, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, I had really bad timetable from my house. And I, I knew that these days, Shit, uh, air raid. Mm, one moment. Mm. Um. Uh, yeah, this is uh, how it is in Ukraine. Now we have a raid, but uh, as I know, it's no rockets in the air. The Russians just uh, uh, put their planes in the air and it means that they are trying to, I don't know, to train their planes or something like that. So it's not uh, so dangerous right, right now. Uh, yeah, I was talking about this. Uh, our office is informing us about a raid. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So about uh, uh, these timetables. So uh, when you have the timetable, you can plan your schedule. And uh, uh, when you know that you will not have electricity, then you plan where to go 
to have electricity, to have internet. Uh, as uh, it is important to businesses to have uh, electricity, uh, every small business or medium business, they were trying to be electricity independent. Uh, lots of shops, cafes, co-workings, uh, uh, like companies, uh, they have bought uh, uh, electricity generators and Starlinks. For example, now I'm at the office of my company, it's IT company, and for work we really need uh, internet, electricity, and light. And uh, uh, in the autumn, uh, our, um, our management uh, cared about uh, making office electricity independent, and it's like that. If you, there is no electricity in the whole city, I still can come to the office and I'll have everything here. We also have here showers, we have here uh, kitchen, like everything. So uh, it really is very helpful and office uh, made my life uh, in Ukraine really uh, easier because I always knew that I can come here and have everything that I need. Uh, yeah. And for example, the electricity is often, where do you know if the, the sources, like for example, there are solar panels or the, it's coming from petrol or any? any uh, for majority, uh, people buy electricity generators uh, that run uh, on soil, uh, on petrol. Uh, that's why uh, prices on petrol in Ukraine were really high because everyone needed it. Like uh, I remember coming to the city center in the winter last year, and city center in Lviv is full of cafes, restaurants, like really entertainment zone. Uh, and you just come to the city center and you hear that sound. That is generators that are working all around the city center, uh, providing uh, electricity to these small businesses. Uh, yeah, it was like that. About heating, uh, it was pretty uh, difficult because uh, uh, you cannot heat your house even with electricity generator. For example, my flat uh, was heated on gas, but uh, uh, we have like a plant that provides uh, this heating to a few houses. It's like central heat. I don't know mm -hmm. if you understand what I mean. Yeah. yeah. And if there is no electricity in your district, it means that that plant that provides heat doesn't work. And it means that it's... Uh, called at house. What we did, uh, we, uh, we have electricity, uh, we have gas stove and we just uh, uh, switched it on and uh, uh, stove helped us uh, keep the uh, kitchen warm. We closed doors to other rooms and we were sitting doing our stuff in the kitchen. Uh, and then uh, when we were going to bed, we we're just putting lots of clothes, uh, uh, very warm blankets and sleeping like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, what about people who live closer to front line? Uh, to be honest, uh, uh, lots of them don't have, uh, didn't have electricity even for four hours a day. Uh, the supply lines they are destroyed, and it's impossible to repair them now because uh, uh, the active uh, war actions are going, and uh, it's impossible to repair it. So uh, some people moved to Kyiv Lviv. Some people who are there, they just uh, live in such a, such wild uh, conditions. Some of them have uh, stoves uh, uh, that you can uh, uh, that you can uh, heat with uh, uh, wood, and they use them 
some of them just, I don't know, close warmly and that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, about electricity, additional fact, uh, lots of us uh, uh, bought uh, like lamps uh, that you can turn on uh, without electricity. They work on batteries and it helps as well. Yeah. Uh, about the internet, can you tell us some details how the things are working there? Uh, about the internet, uh, now, uh, like in Lviv, Kiev, we have normal internet connection, like uh, uh, mobile connection, that, like that. But uh, in the winter, uh, when there is no light, no electricity in your district, it means that you don't have any mobile internet as well, because uh, uh, because uh, these uh, towers that uh, uh, supply us with mobile internet, uh, they work from electricity as well, and they don't work during uh, uh, lack of electricity. Uh, so in such cases, you're just without internet, without connection. You cannot call to anyone. You cannot uh, surf in internet, just nothing. I was coming home at evening, there were no light, no heat, no internet, no mobile connection, you cannot call anybody. Uh, it was pretty tough. Uh, what helped me a lot, it is Netflix. Uh, I used to download uh, TV shows and, uh, I don't know, movies and just watch it at evening from my phone like this. About uh, frontline zones, as I know, people just don't have internet and when they want to call somebody, they just uh, walk to the places where they can catch signal. For example, uh, uh, there is a hill somewhere in the end of the city or, country, or countryside and people just walk a few kilometers to that spot to call their relatives to say that they are alive. Uh, what about our uh, soldiers? Uh, we buy, like, uh, sometimes government, sometimes volunteers, uh, we donate money to buy them starlings, so uh, they uh, stay in touch with the rest of the world. Um, yeah, like starlings are really popular in Ukraine, Ukraine now because uh, uh, it helps us stay in touch when there is no connection. And do you, and have you ever seen a starling? Uh, how does it look like? Any any thoughts about it? What? How does it look on a Starlink or have you ever seen one? Because I have never seen any. Oh yeah, we have this office one. I have seen it today actually. We have it on our rooftop. It's like, uh, I don't know, panel on a three-angle. Uh, it just catches internet from the, I don't know, satellite. Uh, I don't know the tech stuff, so yeah. Uh, and often people who can afford it, they buy themselves Starlinks as well and uh, uh, generators to have them at house to make their households uh, also electricity uh, electricity independent. And do you know how much expensive are, for example, the generators or the Starlinks or you don't have any idea about those? Uh, yeah, I know. One Starlink costs approximately $300. It's not so expensive uh, for Europeans, but in Ukraine, people do mm -hmm. not uh, earn uh, much, so not everyone can buy it. And about generators, it depends as well on the type. 
for example, uh, we have that import uh, that popular type of uh, generator that is called EcoFlow. Uh, I don't know if you have heard about it. Mm -hmm. It costs approximately one thousand uh, dollars, and the problem is that uh, uh, when uh, when we have problems with electricity, the prices they go higher. So now you can buy it for one hundred dollars. When it comes to winter, they will cost more. So uh, yeah, because the demand is growing, mm -hmm. so the prices are growing as well. And uh, I suppose that this winter is going to be even harder because our government, they uh, warn us that uh, our plants, they are still not repaired. Uh, some of them should be rebuilt uh, newly because they are in awful uh, state. And uh, it is said that we will have these timetables again. Uh, yeah. And it's a little bit scary because uh, I don't know how much more difficult it will be. Yeah. And for example, let's think in from another perspective. What changes have you seen that have been different after the war, for example, after the war started? Like I have seen that some Ukrainians have like digital passports that for sure in Europe we don't have or anywhere else. What developments you have seen that let's say have been a good thing in a way that didn't exist before the war? Uh to be honest, uh, uh, there are lots of things in different spheres. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. What you have said about our digital passports, uh, it's kind of uh, uh, not completely true because uh, uh, it uh, was invented not because of the war. We had these passports before the war, uh, like long ago. I don't remember exactly the year, but uh, it existed before. Now, during the war, uh, they the list of documents that can be uh, digital grew. So uh, this is the change that the war made, but uh, uh, the digital passport itself existed before. We have the app called DIA. Everyone can install it in your phone and we can upload our documents there. We can upload our, uh, our foreign passports there. We can upload our um driving license uh, our uh, child birth certification uh, certificate of marriage um what else uh we also can uh, vote uh, through this app for example there are some questions uh, that should be discussed on uh, uh, on on referendum or something like that and we use uh, these apps for that I don't say about uh, such really, really important questions, but uh, uh, one of questions that I remember that we voted for is about um, about a statue. We have in Ukraine statue of uh, uh, Mother Ukraine. It is called like that. It's very high. It's higher mm -hmm. than uh, statue of uh, uh, independence in New York. Or how it's called? Uh, Do you know? The Liberty Church, the Liberty yeah, yeah. Statue. Yeah, in Ukraine we have uh, uh, also like big statue. It's even higher than this one, uh, and uh, that uh, statue keeps a sword and uh, a shield. And on the shield we have uh, emblem of uh, Soviet Union. 
And as this statue is very, very big, it's very difficult to take this emblem of Soviet Union. But, uh, uh, but we have that law in Ukraine of decommunization. It means that uh, we uh, remove all the signs of a communistic uh, uh, government of Soviet Union. Uh, and uh, this emblem also should be removed according to that law. But as it's very big, it's very difficult and costly. And uh, our government uh, launched uh, the survey through this app uh, to the people. Do we want to have this uh, emblem removed or do we not want to? And people voted. Uh, so actually, uh, people voted for, uh, for taking this emblem down and the of Ukraine uh, on this shield. So now the works are ongoing and they are changing that uh, emblem. Uh, yeah, uh, this is what uh, this app does. Uh, another changes, uh, uh, it is about uh, online work. Uh, of course, that during COVID, people uh, in all the countries, they started to work uh, remote. But uh, all the, uh, around the world, now there is a tendency to coming back to the offices. But not in Ukraine. Still, majority of uh, still majority of vacancies they allow people to work remotely, and it's totally fine. Like uh, not only in uh, IT area, but uh, digital marketing, uh, sales, uh, and more and more spheres they are becoming digital, where it's uh, remote, where it is possible. Uh, yeah. But about this, uh, but uh, because of this electricity uh, outrages, uh, uh, lots of people uh, prefer to live in the cities where there are offices of the companies because mm -hmm. these uh, offices they provide electricity and internet. This is a tricky question. Uh, yeah. Another point is uh, uh, what has changed uh, is culture uh, and uh, investment in uh, development of our own. Uh, music, uh, our films, uh, our uh, YouTube, and so on. Before the war, lots of Ukrainians were listening to Russian music, uh, watching Russian YouTube, uh, Russian movies. Uh, uh, and now it's, uh, it's completely opposite. Uh, people uh, just uh, canceled all Russian. And lots of Ukrainian YouTubers uh, appeared. A lot of Ukrainian music appeared. Uh, and uh, the uh, the way as people see Ukrainian is different now. Like lots of Ukrainians were uh, ha uh, lots of Ukrainians before the war they perceived Ukrainian stuff as something worse than uh, European than uh, Russian than any other country Ukrainian wasn't perceived as uh, good it was like oh uh, and now it's not like that and uh, and I think that it's positive positive because uh, it helps economy imagine you are a singer you want to sing in Ukrainian and you know that if you sing in Ukrainian you'll not get uh, uh, any listeners because other people think that Ukrainian is not prestigious. But now, if you think in Ukrainian, you know that you'll have listeners because people like it and people need it. And it helps young people, talented people, develop themselves and become artists, become YouTubers, become, uh, I don't know, uh, 
singers, and I believe that it's very, very good thing. Uh, language. Lots of people before the war talked in in Russian, like fifty uh, percent maybe of people. Uh, now uh, lots of people switched to Ukrainian, and it's like must have to talk in Ukrainian at work. Uh, at we have new rules about using the language in uh, in official areas, in restaurants, in hotels. So. Uh, if you come to cafe or restaurant somewhere in the Kyiv, you are expected to be served in Ukrainian. It is expected that uh, uh, that uh, waiters uh, ha had to start uh, talk with you in Ukrainian, not Russian. If they start talking in Russian, it means that they are uh, breaking law because Russian is foreign language. It's like talking in, I don't know, Spanish. Uh, in Ukraine, and uh, why would Ukrainians understand Spanish? They would not possibly, and now we have the same attitude to Russian, because it's foreign mm -hmm. language, you should not use it, because you live in Ukraine, where the only official language is Ukrainian. Uh, yeah. What else changed? <laughs> uh, yeah, there are also bad things uh, uh, about uh, uh, work, for example. There is a crisis in the world and uh, uh, as I know, it's difficult to find job for, for Europeans, for Americans, but for Ukrainians, it's even more uh, difficult because despite the crisis, uh, we have war and uh, businesses are afraid of uh, uh, using our services because uh, they consider risks and it's easier to go to another countries to buy services there than in Ukraine. For example, uh, for my company, it's uh, IT outsourcing company. And before the war, we had like lots of clients. Uh, the uh, IT, uh, IT branch was uh, uh, developing. Uh, the prices were like uh, growing uh, and more and more people were starting career uh, in IT. Now it's not like that. Because uh, lots of clients left uh, companies, uh, they uh, lots of clients uh, they didn't prolong the contracts, and uh, many companies, uh, small companies, they closed. Uh, bigger companies they are working, but still they have problems with finding new clients. Uh, lots of salary reviews are frozen. It's like almost impossible to get salary review, or if you are beginner it's uh, almost impo uh, impossible to find a job. For example, if you uh, want to become project manager or business analyst and you apply for a vacancy, uh, one vacancy will have approximately 200 applicants. The same for uh, uh, quality assurance, the same for front-end developers, designers, uh, uh, for those who, who are beginners. For those who are more important, like middle, seniors, uh, uh, it's also difficult, but uh, but uh, less difficult because they still have experience and they know English. Mm -hmm. They uh, they are more agile and it's uh, less difficult. Uh, yeah, like I have friends uh, who were working in small IT companies, uh, and uh, uh, companies just just closed because uh, clients. Uh, 
cancelled their contracts and uh, people were not uh, paid money. Like my friend uh, uh, is expecting 3,000 uh, 3, euros from the company and company said, we are bankrupts, we cannot pay you. And uh, uh, yeah, and he's looking for a new job now. Uh, yeah. So such stories are really, uh, really happen really often now. And for example, like uh, I wonder, like when a foreigner, if any foreign goes there, for example, I have a friend who went mm -hmm. to LV because his wife is from there, but they live here in Spain, mm -hmm. but he doesn't speak Ukrainian. How does he deal with the people if they should speak to him in oh. Ukrainian? Uh, uh, okay, it's a, a different story. Like the rule is, uh, if you are a waiter, you should start uh, uh, the conversation in uh, Ukrainian. But if you see that uh, the person says, I'm sorry, I don't speak, then you have to switch. But the first uh, uh, replica to the person should mm -hmm. be in Ukrainian. Okay. Uh, and then you can uh, uh, switch to other languages. For example, if you see that the person in front of you speaks Spanish and you, luckily, I don't know how, speak Spanish here in Lviv, then you can respond in Spanish. Mm -hmm. or, uh, or, for example, when you apply for a job of waiter, uh, the restaurant, the management of restaurant can uh, can set you conditions that you have to speak English, you have to speak Ukrainian, and I don't know Spanish. And then it is uh, uh, it is expected from you that in case there will be foreign care, you will speak English, but still you will have to start the conversation in Ukrainian. And then, are we going to see you as a singer or as a as an artist, based on what you said? <laughs> no, I think very bad, uh, but uh, uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'll have another hobby in the future, but uh, I suppose no. <laughs> yeah. And what what kind of things are do you, do you have the, for the foreseeable six months in Ukraine? How do you see the next winter? What are your expectations for this? Uh, how do I see it? Uh, yeah. I believe that somewhere in the middle of uh, October we will have uh, new air strikes uh, on our electricity plants, and uh, and then after that we will have problems with electricity. Uh, I believe that uh, this winter is gonna be colder because last winter wasn't so cold. And uh, this then must be colder with snow and uh, uh, frost. So how will my look, life look like? I'll just go to office every day and work from here. I moved uh, because of electricity. I, I moved from my old flat to a new flat that is closer to office. So now I'm able to walk here and to be here in 20 minutes. So uh in such conditions i'll just go to office every day uh then i don't know uh, what else i believe that there will be no significant changes uh in front line uh i mean uh, uh winter is plus minus uh, uh plus minus not very active period of time. It means uh, neither our soldiers, neither Russian soldiers will be able to move forward. They will have to wait for more 
warm periods of time. As well, Ukraine is waiting for weapons for planes and additional tanks. And uh, as long as we don't have them, we are not able to deoccupy our territories. So it will be just very prolonged and difficult period of time that we have to live through. And then maybe in, last, in next summer, there will be changes. I just hope that uh, we will not have any any scary news from uh, Zaporizhia nuclear power, because uh, uh, a month ago uh, there were rumors that Russians wanna uh, put it on fire. Uh, and uh, now nobody talks about it again, but uh, you never know, maybe they will start talking about this again. And I hope that there will be no massive air strikes uh, uh, on, uh, on like buildings where people live, at least. <laughs> yeah, because like one month ago we had a huge uh, stroke in uh, living house. It was nearby my apartment, like eight hundred meters, and uh, uh, one moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, as I have said, uh, uh, we have these air raids often, and when you have them once a few days, you just get used to it. Uh, yeah, and uh, I got used to it as well. And now when I sleep and there is air raid in the middle of night, I just simply don't hear it. I just sleep through and that's it. And Months ago, I was sleeping. I didn't hear the start of air raid. And then out of a sudden, bah. And it was this uh, uh, stroke. And I was like, oh my God, what's going on? I open my eyes and I see something like uh, a smoke around me. I was thinking it's nearby my house, even my house, because you are, mm -hmm. you are waking up out of a sudden and you don't know what's going on. I, I had two ideas. It's either my house or it's nuclear power uh, plant uh, uh, on fire and we're gonna die. Uh, but then my neighbors come to me and said, calm down, everything's fine, let's hide. And we just went to our bathroom where we don't have any windows, any, um, any glass, and we were sitting there. But then we heard another two or three strokes and we decided to go in basement. And yeah, it was awful. And now I'm just... Uh, putting all the uh, alarms, uh, all the uh, notifications on. And if I have uh, air raid in the night, I just wake up and scroll uh, in uh, our chats, in our uh, internet groups, where our uh, air defense notifies us where the rockets are. So if I see that there are rockets moving to my city, I just go and hide because it's really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Um, for example, any thoughts that you would like to give to the people that do not, let's say, understand what is happening in Ukraine? Something that maybe you haven't said or you haven't shared that you would like the people also know? For example, how they can support you? Any additional thoughts that you would like to share? Uh, yeah, I have. 
Ahmed. Hello. Uh, yeah, uh, I have two thoughts. First one is uh, lots of people don't think how it's possible to uh, combine war and uh, life. Uh, for example, I have lots of uh, foreign girls who follow me on Instagram. Sometimes I post uh, uh, photos from travels, photos from concerts, something like that. And people might think, oh, but the war in Ukraine, how can you do something like that or that? And I want to give people idea that despite the war, people still continue living. They, they cannot just sit and think, oh my God, war. Or they cannot uh, constantly, uh, constantly uh, scroll through news or something like that. They still continue living, but now in new conditions. They continue uh, communicating with friends and continue having fun. But all that is happening, it's happening with a war background. Still, when you are there at your home after, after meeting with a friend, you remember that other your friends, they are in the front line. And uh, maybe you will not see them again. You still keep that in mind. But you try living because it's impossible to live in stress constantly. And another point is that if you want to support Ukraine, just uh, donate to save life in your. It's our very big and trustful uh, fund that uh, is responsible for helping our army, uh, and uh, Ukrainians who live in the front line. Thank you very much for all the thoughts that you have shared with us, Andriana. I hope more people will discover about your experience. And uh, as you said, sometimes we need to try to live our lives and don't just get stuck. Thank you for everything you yeah. share and Slava Ukraina. <laughs> Thank you.